In sports, they say numbers never lie, but odds are they do. Sam Steinmeier, Brady Archer, and host Andrew Botwinick are about to go against the grain this week as we make our day-to-day picks. All views and opinions expressed in today's show do not reflect KZLX, KNWT, or Northwest Missouri State University. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Since we talked about how good of, of these two teams were in both college football and in the NFL, we're going to now look at more specifically certain player Joe Burrow. We've talked about Joe Burrow. We're going to go through our, our list of top five Joes, just in general. Any any sport, as long as they're affiliated with an, a professional or a semi-professional, as in like college football. So we'll go through the same way we always do here. We'll just give our number five, and we'll go all the way across, and then we'll go four, three, and two, and then one. So Sam, you want to go ahead and go start us off here with your number five, Joe? Uh, number five for me, he's got he's got two two Joes in his name, JoJo White out of Kansas, uh, played basketball for. A long time ago, he was part of the Kansas team that got upset by Texas Western on their run to the national championship, and he uh, averaged 17.2 points per game over 12 years with the Boston Celtics. So he had a very good pro career, and he is in the Naismith Hall of Fame for basketball. So JoJo White, my number five. My number five, Joe, is also coming from basketball, Joe Ingles. Not who I was. We were talking earlier, <laughs> joking around that they both had picked a basketball guy, and I, I thought one of them was going to be a specific player, and, and it was not. No, Joe, he's a he's a great character and a uh, great person to have like around the around the jazz organization, and it's it's a lot a lot of times people poke fun at him or whatever, but I mean he's at, he's averaged seven points this season and four rebounds and three and a half assists, and but yeah, he's my my number five, Joe. My my number five, Joe, I went with more of a, a non-traditional Joe, just mostly because of his nickname, but also because of just him in general. Shoeless Joe Jackson. That's a good that, Shoeless like Joe that Jackson. That's a good just one. A solid name, solid career, minus, you know, all the... 1919. Yeah, the, the, all the rest of that stuff that happened regarding his career. But, you know, a nice nickname nonetheless. He's got a good story. Shoeless Joe Jackson's my number five. Same, who do we have at number four? Number four for me is Smokin' Joe Frazier, the boxer. Is, uh, he was 32-4-1 in his career. He had 27 knockouts, just one of the best boxers of all time, probably just below Muhammad Ali on that list. Is, he's one of the best boxers of all time, and he's got a great nickname too, Smokin' Joe. My number four Joe comes from the manager, manager world. It's uh, Joe Madden. He uh, managed for the Rays from 06 to 14. He had that appearance to the World Series with the Rays. Um, then he went to the Cubs, and he actually won a World Series with the Cubs in 2016. And this past offseason, he actually just signed with the Angels on a three-year deal. But, yeah, he's he's been a, he's been a great manager throughout, I mean, 13 years in the MLB. He's, he's one of the most known ones, too. And I stuck with baseball, again, for my number four. I guess since we're sticking on the trend of nicknames, the Yankee Clipper, Joe DiMaggio, one of those guys in there, the longest hitting streak at 56 games, also MVP, all-star in each one of his 13 seasons. He's got to be a Joe that's listed on here. Obviously, one of the staples of the New York Yankees franchise who have had plenty of staples, and just coincidentally his last first name is Joe as well. So, Sam, who do we have at number three? Number three for me is Joe Thomas, the offensive lineman from the Cleveland Browns. He played 10,363 consecutive snaps, and he played for a terrible Browns team. You know, it, when, he, when he was playing, I just thought to myself, how can you just stay on the field 
when you know you're probably going to lose every single game coming out. The Browns, fortunately, have kind of switched directions. They've got a few playmakers now. They're on the up and up. But back when Joe Thomas was there, they weren't so great. So Joe Thomas, just for weathering the storm and playing all those snaps, my number three. Just not to surprise you here, but my number three is also going to be Joe Thomas. And I'm not going to go on the same spiel Sam did, but uh, not only did he have that consecutive snap streak of over 10,000, and he was a great football player, future Hall of Famer, but also just a stand-up guy, a great guy to have in your locker room, great guy to talk to. I mean, everybody just loves talking to him. Everybody loves having him on wherever he's at. I think it was either last year or two years ago, ESPN did an article about him highly would recommend it was a great well-written article about joe thomas in general and what it was like for him suiting up like what sam said knowing that more than likely you're going to go out there and you're going to lose but he still went out there every single game played played his heart out every single game my number three i, I did switch go i when i'm into football now but didn't decide to go joe thomas i went with uh, obvious i think everybody on my list has a nickname and i didn't realize that until after i had just mentioned shoeless joe jackson i have broadway joe joe nameth now at my number three spot for Joe's, played under uh, Bear Bryant in Alabama back in college and then played into the NFL. He wasn't a great NFL player, but for some reason he's always one of the guys that are remembered. And, and Broadway Joe obviously having that nickname. Everybody knows who Broadway Joe is, maybe not necessarily Joe Namath, but that nickname kind of sticks around, and that's why I have him at my number three spot. Yeah, and at number two for me, I'm going to stick with football and uh, stick with a quarterback, but I'm going to go with Joe Montana, arguably one of the best uh, pro quarterbacks uh, in the history of the NFL. He threw for 273, 273 touchdowns, 40,551 yards, and he won four Super Bowls. It's hard to argue how great he was with those stats. And my number two, I uh, to go back to what where Andrew was at here. I had I had Joe Namath as well, and <laughs> uh, he, he like you said, he wasn't the he's not the best quarterback in NFL history by any means. But and every, everybody knows him, and I, he had a sixty four and sixty four and four record, and uh, but yeah, it, nobody knows him for how great he was in the NFL. Everybody kind of just knows him because it's Broadway Joe, you know. And my number two, I went with another guy that had a nickname, coincidentally, the Brown Bomber, Joe Lewis, boxer. Sam also had a boxer. We were talking earlier before the show trying to figure out who we both had because we were hoping that we didn't have the same one. But there is a couple more boxing Joes in the, in the world there. And 66 wins, uh, 52 of those by knockout, only three losses in his entire career. <laughs> Joe Lewis, obviously very dominant in, as, in the boxing nation. Uh, or even early in when he did box, he was the heavyweight champion from 1937 to 1949. Not a lot of people know him now, but the name still reigns on, and that's why I have him as my number two Joe. Yeah, the, I believe the arena where like the Pistons play, I think that's the Joe Lewis arena. So mm-hmm. his name is still synonymous. Uh, but for my number one, I went with one that, Andrew, you've already mentioned, Joe DiMaggio. Yankee Clipper, like you said, 2,214 hits. He had 361 home runs, and he had a career batting average of 325. That's insane, and also the 56-game hit streak, which no one is ever going to no. come close to. No, He was one of the best Yankees of all time and, and one of the best baseball players in general of all time, so that's why he's my number one. And my number one, Joe, in sports is uh, Joe Montana. Sam, you mentioned him earlier, and – he, he, 
unlike uh, Broadway Joe, Joe Montana is in the conversation for one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He threw for over 40,000 yards, almost 41,000, and um, had averaged seven and a half yards per attempt, had 273 touchdowns, and he, he was just, I mean, he was an outstanding quarterback. He played for the 49ers and a stint with the Chiefs and late in his career, but he's a great quarterback. I went with someone who's already been said, goes by the nickname of the comeback kid, Joe Cool, Joe Montana. Same way with Brady right there on that one. Sam had him earlier. To me, Joe Montana, just because he's closer to where I started watching relatively, obviously not because he was before I was born. He started playing and stuff. But I still had watched some of him, and towards the later end of his career, he was still with the Chiefs when I was getting into starting to watch football and, and being able to see him in years, uh, years prior when he was there just kind of – made that connection with me and, and Joe Montana. That's why I have him as my number one Joe. So just a little bit of fun to start the show, just talking about our favorite Joes now that Joe Burrow's not in there um, since we've already talked about him. I had I did have some honorable mention Joes in there as well. Mean Joe Green, Joe Flacco. Yeah. No one mentioned Joe Flacco. I, I, I actually thought about mentioning Joe Flacco there for a little bit. And welcome back to Day-to-Day Picks. Andrew Botwinick, Sam Steinmeier, as well as Brady Archer here with you for about another 30 minutes. We're going to get into our What Are the Odds segment. We've got some Colin Kaepernick news for the first time in what seems like years. He is having a private workout this Saturday, I believe at 3 o'clock. It's going to be in Atlanta. We've got a list of some of the teams. that Initially, the NFL was saying that they were going to give Colin Kaepernick a list of all of the teams that were going to be there. And then the NFL was like, ah, oh, we're not going to give you that list. And now they have, I guess, officially given out that list within the last couple of minutes here. And, Brady, go ahead and read off some of the names of the teams that are going to be there at that workout on Saturday. Yeah, the teams that are supposed to be there as of now are the Cardinals, the Falcons, uh, the Jets, the Giants, Patriots, Dolphins, Browns, Broncos, Lions, Bucks, and Redskins. And, I mean, that's just as of now. There will be more teams that could come in the in the next couple hours or a couple days or – yeah, and I, I think one team that I'm surprised isn't on that list is the Chicago Bears. You know, Mitchell Trubisky has struggled this year. I mean, maybe they're thinking about going after Cam Newton after this year, so maybe that's why they didn't send anyone. Um, you know, we know that this workout is probably for next year and see if he can get a contract somewhere next year. But... Uh, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, Chicago, they're probably either trying to go for a big name QB like Cam Newton, or maybe they just try to trust in Mitch Trubisky. But uh, still, it's interesting that they didn't at least send someone down there. And I, I agree with that. I Especially, like, and I know you said they're kind of looking at him for next year. And I've heard there are rumors of Cam Newton maybe being in, uh, inter- being interested in Chicago and Chicago vice versa. But you'd think that they'd want to look at all their options, and especially with a guy like Colin Kaepernick, who, if he impresses, you could sign him right now and make a playoff push. Now he did. I mean, he's taken a team to a Super Bowl, so uh, he's certainly not a terrible quarterback. And looking at some of the starting quarterbacks in the league right now, like Ryan Finley, Jeff Driscoll for the Lions, even though that's just a defensive replacement, not like a replacement. But you know, Ryan Tannehill. There's no reason that Colin Kaepernick shouldn't at least be a backup somewhere. And I won't get too political with all this because that's not obviously what oh, we're definitely. doing. That's, that's not, not what, what we're doing. That's not what I was going with. No, I know that's not where you're going. I'm just saying for what I'm, what I'm going to say is why do you not send a scout to at least go? 
Right. That, that's where I'm at. Because if if it was a situation like if Brett Favre was like, ah, if he wasn't 50, like, let me preface with if he wasn't 50, if he was like 45 and was like, I'm going to have a private workout, everybody would send a scout there because it's Brett Favre. Colin Kaepernick has, like Sam said, brought a team to the Super Bowl. He basically invented the read option, triple option offense in the NFL. He made it what it is or what it was. It's not yeah. really as popular I, now because people have learned how to stop it. But when Kaepernick started it, he was the only guy that was able to do it, and he's a good, versatile, dual-threat quarterback. He can throw the ball, that's for sure. He can run with the ball. He's going to lead teams to a couple more victories than some of the guys that these guys have. I don't understand why you wouldn't send at least a scout to watch him throw. Yeah. And that's if you have Ryan Finley starting as your quarterback or if you have Patrick Mahomes. I'm, if he's at le- Like Sam said, he's at least a backup right now. and Or, I mean, he's better than a lot of backups, but, I mean – We'll, we'll we'll see if more teams commit how and how many more, but you'd think that you'd want to send a scout there, what, no matter who you have right now. And as of yeah. right now, it is it is Thursday. They have eleven names of of teams that are going to go, and that's just as of yesterday when they announced it. I'm sure by Saturday we'll have at least half the NFL probably there. I would imagine more than that, though. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody at least sent one person. Right? Yeah, and you mentioned you know you kind of created that uh, re-option in the NFL. I saw someone on Twitter the other day that he he was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson got to the NFL. And I saw that on Twitter and I, thought, I just thought about it for a little bit. Like, yeah, that's true. He was really the only one running the ball and throwing the ball at an effective level both. So the kind of the first Michael Vick since Michael Vick. And it was actually Colin Kaepernick's teammate, Eric Reed that said that. And that was what I was going to use as our segue to go in to talk about Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, the rest of the MVP race in the NFL. We, we had Russell Wilson who was leading for the MVP coming into last week. He lost it for a while in that overtime game when he had that red zone pick and then regained it whenever he went down the field and scored again. So it, I think he's back in the discussion. Obviously he didn't ever leave the discussion in the top three really, but I think he's not in that number one spot anymore after this last week. And and I think the worst part about it is that Lamar Jackson didn't even play a good team to get into that number one spot. He no. played a cakewalk of a team. And I think there's just one play that you could cement uh, Lamar Jackson as to say, okay, he's the leader in the MVP race now, is that spin move he did. The that, inside juke in that spin move. That, are you, are you that serious? That insane. I, I th- that's his MVP moment right now, and I think that's what propelled him into that number one spot. And the big thing, when he was in college at, L- at oh, LSU, he was in, he went to Louisville. I don't know why I almost said LSU. It wasn't it. He had one, it was like a back juke or something, or maybe that was even, even in high school. Uh, there high was school a back juke in high school like, that went viral. Went viral, and I remember watching that in high school. Like, who the heck is that? And now, like, it came out, I think, last year yeah, that was that was Lamar Jackson. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. He was doing that in high school. He's now doing it to guys in the NFL. Yeah, and right now for me, like, Lamar Jackson, he he's is he the favorite right now, or did Russell Wilson can't get that back? I I can look up the standings as we're talking, but I and for me personally, Lamar Jackson has it, and it's his to lose right now. Russell Wilson took a step back, but not like I would say it's like one A and one B. Right, that's, like it's and that's where it, I was that, going. and that's how yeah. close it is, really. Like it's not necessarily oh Lamar Jackson's going to win it unless Russell Wilson throws for four hundred yards. No, if Russell Wilson throws for three hundred and fifty yards or three hundred yards and plays a really good game against a tough opponent, he's back up in the lead. And right, it comes down to the wire. And right now it is a it's a two horse race for me. And Christian McCaffrey, he's he's right there. And talent wise, he's he would be up there, but. His team's five and four, and I know there's so much you can do as a running back, but 
that's that's one of the it's a quarterback award, right? And that's and the reason it is is because you your team has to be winning games, and a lot of times if you're a running back, you can't propel your team to win every game. But right now, I I I would pick Russell Wilson as the MVP. I think he has done about the same with less talent, in my opinion. In the updated as of yesterday, the M- MVP odds to win Russell Wilson at plus one seventy five, Lamar Jackson at plus two fifty. Deshaun Watson, 600. Aaron Rodgers, 900, along with Christian McCaffrey at 900. So there's kind of a gap between Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and then everybody else in the league. As there should be. And I I was about to say, the only name that surprises me is Christian McCaffrey at 900, but he's the first non-skill position. And then you look further down the list, the next non-skill position, or non-quarterback, not non-skill. The next non-quarterback is Dalvin Cook at plus 2,500. So yeah. for him to be at 900 makes sense. Yeah, yeah and that's just basically because he's a running back. And honestly, you, know, you mentioned 1A, 1B. It could be 1A, 1B, 1C just because Tr- Christian McCaffrey has been a outstanding this year. But just because he's a running back, the voters aren't going to put him into that. Though he'll be third in the voting. Maybe maybe they'll put Deshaun Watson ahead of him just because he's a quarterback. But Christian McCaffrey deserves to be in that top three. Which is crazy because he'll probably win player of the year yeah. or something like that because that's typically a, an award that gets given out to a running back. I feel like MVP yeah. is kind of given out. It's like, like you said, that quarterback, the best quarterback, and then the offensive player of the year is kind of that, that best, the most talented guy who had to put up the best numbers. And But, yeah, I think Christian McCaffrey, he deserves to be in that conversation, but I, I don't think you can put him in it in, the, in that 1A, 1B category because – He's not a quarterback, and he can't propel his team to win every game. And it's still insane because, I mean, the running back position over the last few years hasn't been as as important as the uh, as it was, you know, ten years ago. It's been more of a position where you could have a replacement level guy and still be a good team. It's so it's it's insane that he's even in that conversation, and it just shows how important he is not only in the running game but in the passing game. And the reason why I wouldn't have Christian McCaffrey at one A, one B, and one C is because Lamar Jackson has 702 rushing yards and is 11th in the league in rushing at 6.6 yards per carry. Christian McCaffrey, obviously, at 989 and gets it done in the in the receiving game as well, but Lamar Jackson also can run the ball pretty darn effectively. And not to say Russell Wilson can't, it's just Russell doesn't Wilson does a lot more in the pocket, moving out in and out of the pocket. He doesn't move past the line of scrimmage very often. A lot of the big plays you see Russell Wilson make are like that – where he's under pressure, where because he doesn't have any time to throw, and then he's running around in the backfield for Pat Mahomes-esque plays. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and we'll go into our next topic here. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes, we'll go now. We'll talk about the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Colts, and, and the rest of some of the teams in the NFL that might potentially be in trouble of getting into the playoffs or, or teams that have a slim lead in their division. We've already talked kind of about the Cowboys and the Chiefs, but. We'll talk more about some of the teams that we went through earlier with the standings. Um, some of these teams could be in trouble. We'll start. Obviously, I don't think anybody would say the Patriots are in trouble. They're two games above the Bills. No one. It looks like the Patriots are playing tougher competition, but they're not really in any mood to lose. No, I think they'll win that division. Um, it's definitely going to be a tough stretch these next few games. They have the Eagles, then the Cowboys, and they have to go play the Chiefs. So it's going to be tough. Maybe. I don't know if they'll end that stretch with only one loss like they have right now but they will end that stretch still number one in the AFC East and then I think in the AFC West the big thing for the Chiefs is health 
You've had a lot of players, especially on that offensive line, get hurt. And I think just last week against the Titans, they were on their last guy that could have played offensive line for a couple of plays there because they had two injuries back-to-back plays. Yeah, they had, actually they had th- three injuries back-to-back plays. Tyreek got uh, a little banged up. He ran back to the sideline and then came back out. And then, uh, I believe, uh, was it Mitchell Schwartz? He got injured, and then Mitchell Schwartz's replacement. The next play, The yeah. very next play. Rankin. Tore yeah. his, Rankin tore his ACL. And then Cam Irving got hurt right before that, and that was after they had put Mitchell Schwartz back out there. So it's just kind of like everybody on this team is getting hurt, and it'll be really nice after this week when the Chiefs play the Chargers and they get a bye week. I believe, yeah, they'll get, need, they'll get the bye week after this. They've needed that it'll, bye week for a couple of weeks. It's yeah. almost gotten to the point where they – they camped a week or two just kind of sitting players that could have played just because they're like, we want you back and healthy and all that. And I think a big thing is, like, we talked about that they've been hit by that injury buck all season, and they've had the fourth toughest schedule in the league, and they're in first place in their division. Granted, it's only by half a game. And once they play, once they play, once their players get healthy, they'll be fine as a team. But you do have to look out for the Raiders because I brought this stat up earlier, but I didn't really go in specific. But – they have five out of their seven remaining games are against losing teams, and they're they're right on the Chiefs right now. They're are four and four or five and five and four right now, and I mean, so it'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs can kind of hold them back. And then we'll go now. AFC North is really not a whole lot of teams other than the Steelers. I think the Steelers are all right for right now, just because they're sitting at five and four is really not much. We'll go to the AFC South, another five and four team that potentially it means a lot more to them because of the way their division stacked up. The Colts, they've lost two straight. They were leading that division. They lose to the Dolphins, I know, last week, and then the week before that they lose to the Steelers on the road. I think this could be almost panic time for the Colts. I know you're getting Jacoby Brissett back, and you're getting T.Y. Hilton back eventually, but you really need a – there is yeah. very slim margin for the rest of the season. It's definitely panic time in Indianapolis. you got to get wins strewn off. You can't lose to the Dolphins. You just can't. A team – actively trying to lose and you lose to them at home nonetheless and so they really got to get things in gear Jacoby Brissett coming back will help and then when T.Y. eventually comes back that will help even more so it's you got to panic a little bit but you will get your players back the thing with the Colts is I don't know if you can panic because you've already outperformed what people thought you were going to do I think if if you're the Colts you're fine because You've already overdone what everybody says. You can just relax, and if you lose, if you, I don't think they'll lose out. But if they do, I mean, they're just they were they went five and eleven, just like everybody thought. But um, I think they're finally starting to fall off. And I know last week they didn't have to go reset, so it's kind of an outlier. But getting him back, it'll be interesting to see if they can go back to where they they're in the playoff mix and go back to beating teams that maybe they shouldn't beat. And the interesting thing is that they're only a game back. You're only a game back behind the Texans, which the Texans have had this this connotation of being the best in the AFC, and they're at 6-3, and three and the, the, the Colts are at 5-4. and four. We'll flip now. We'll look at the NFC while we have a little bit of time. We've talked about the, the Cowboys. They're not. I wouldn't say they're in panic mode, but in the same kind of boat as what I said about the Colts, you, you have very slim chance for error. You really cannot lose games that you're supposed to win. No, you really can't. Uh, it's the Cowboys, right? Yeah. So the Cowboys, yeah. You really, really can't afford to lose any games, especially division games. They have another game against the Eagles coming up. And, you know, 
this is they also have a game against the Steelers coming up. That'll be a tough game, and you know you got to get Zeke Elliott going. That is the key to this season, and you know Dak Prescott can do all he all he can. He did all he could against the Vikings. He did great, but they went to Zeke, and that's what you that, when if you're a Cowboys fan, that's what you want to do. But Zeke didn't show up, and they eventually lost that game. Zeke needs to show up in order for the Cowboys to start winning games and eventually win this division. And this is a tough stretch the Cowboys are about to be on. The Lions this week, the Patriots in Foxborough next week. You have the Bills on Thanksgiving Day just four days after you play the Patriots. You play the Bills. You play the Cowboys December 5th. You play the er, the Bears. Bears. I don't know why I said the Cowboys. I literally looked at the Bears and said the Cowboys. You play the Bears December 5th. You play the Rams December 15th. Then you play the Eagles, and you finish out playing the Redskins. You don't have a breather game until you play the Redskins. And I think by then, that game doesn't mean anything. No. Whether it be in for good or for bad, that Week 17 game against the Redskins will not mean a thing. Yeah, the starters will probably be sitting out a lot in that one, You know, either preparing for the playoffs or – you know, just saying hats off to the season. You know, we're done now. Uh, I mean, if they're not in the playoff race, then they'll probably play the starters just to have one last, you know, good performance. But this stretch is tough. The Lions, you know, are no slouch. They almost beat the Chiefs. The Patriots are always the Patriots, you know, and they have to play a lot of good defenses in the Patriots, Bills, Bears, Rams. I mean, like you said, there's no breather game for the Cowboys, and they really need to get going now. And they've benefited so far from the division being weaker as of now, but they have to get it right because they only have the division lead because of that head-to-head game against the Eagles. And I think the winner of this division is going to come down to that Week 16 matchup between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, And like you said, I don't think the Week 17 matchup will mean much because at that point the division will be decided, but... I, I think that they have to get things right, and I think they have maybe have room to lose two or three more games this year. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I think that's exactly what it'll be. The last little topic that we'll have to talk about here is the LSU-Bama game. We've talked about Joe Burrow a little bit here in this episode, but is he now the top quarterback in this draft? Did he pass Tua? Jalen Hurts is in the mix as well. Jake Fromm, Justin Herbert. Is Joe Burrow the number one quarterback coming out of this class? I think even though Tua wasn't really 100%, I think Joe Burrow did pass him. I think it is, you know, not taint for Tua season anymore. It's taint for Joe. And, you know, you'll see now Joe, he's going to be put in the spotlight more, not that he already hasn't, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to keep up the play because now there will be more spotlight on him as a number one draft pick like there was on Tua and like there was on Jalen Hurts whenever he was on that stretch to start out the year. And so it'll be interesting to see how he handles that, how he handles now being the top guy. And he's right up there. I still don't – I mean, he's he's great size. He's perfect NFL size, 6'4", 230 pounds. And, but Justin Herbert's a couple inches taller, and he may not have the the hype and the statistics that Joe Burrow has and the leader. I mean, Joe Burrow's a great leader. He's a great guy to have. So he's right in that conversation. And – I think give him a couple of weeks. Maybe if if they can go to the playoff and they can win a championship, or you know if he if he performs well in there, I think then he will. But it is just so hard to pass up on Justin Herbert's intangibles. And it, the intangibles definitely is where I was going because Herbert 
has better intangibles and he's been the number one guy basically since like last year. I think he was the number one quarterback potentially. But this year, just because I'm coining a new term, it's not tank for Tua, it's now bank on Burrow. Bank. That's teams are gonna start to say, Hey, Burrow's our guy. We may not look good this year, but Cincinnati potentially next year is saying, Hey, we don't need Andy Dalton, we don't need Ryan Finley. We're gonna bank on Burrow. We're gonna go get Burrow. And then now segueing into who is going to get the number one overall pick, and who are they going to take? I know we talked about quarterbacks, but is the team that potentially is going to get the number one pick not pick a quarterback, see someone else on the board that they might have their eye on? I think everybody might be in agreement that it's going to be the Bengals. Yeah, it's going to be the Bengals, and they're going to take Joe Burrow in for the first overall pick. I mean, you know, they still could take Tua if they wanted to. I mean, they... They have good quarterbacks to pick from. I just think Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the draft right now, and that's who I think they'll take. And I, I believe it'll be the Bengals as well. I don't see them winning two games this year. and But if it's not, it'll be interesting. If it's like the Jets, I think that they'll go after somebody like Chase Young. But if it, but if it's like the Dolphins or the Bengals or you know one of those quarterback-needy teams, I think you definitely don't pass up on it at all. And whether it might be Joe Burrow, it might be Justin Herbert or – to a tag below. I, either way, I don't think you pass up on one of those quarterbacks if you need it. Zach Taylor will finally get to pick a guy that he wants. The first year in, didn't he kind of got stuck with what he has. He's got Andy Dalton, he's got Joe Mixon, he's got John Ross, A.J. Green. After this offseason, he's finally going to have some of the players that he wants on his team, and what fits the Bengals most is the intangible spot. We've talked – it's going to be Joe Burrow, or it's going to be it's going to be Justin Herbert. It's one of those two guys. I don't. I, there's nothing against Jalen Hurts to Attago Vilola, but he's they're not going. They don't run some of those schemes. And I think Tua's been being injured the past five or six games hasn't really helped. No, and, and if he would have played, and Bama would have played better competition, Tua would easily be the number one pick because if he throws 400 yards in the game against LSU and it's overlooked just because he didn't win the game. Think about how he could have done in games when they were up 70 to nothing in the third yeah. quarter. If he would have played in the fourth quarter of some of those games, Tua easily is still the number one pick, but Joe Burrow's played better competition. He's elevated his gameplay in peak games when they actually matter, and when Joe Burrow wins the national championship and wins the Heisman in the same year, you can't not pick the guy at number one. He's going to do it. They're going to win. That's what's going to happen. The Bengals are going to get the number one pick. They're going to draft Joe Burrow. That's all we got for this segment. We're going to take a quick break here on Day-to-Day Picks. We're going to be right back here with our lock of the week before we wrap up the show.